one. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Forward Maryland. I'm Bill Woodcock, and I'm going solo today, and I am speaking today on, oh, I forgot to mention the date. That's why I need Jason around. Today is Friday, May 22nd, 2020, getting ready to enjoy my Memorial Day weekend, but not before bringing you one more interview amongst the various candidates for the Howard County School Board. And today, I'd like to welcome District 2 candidate James Cecil to the show. James, it's thank you for uh, agreeing to be on the show today. Thank you for having me and kicking off this weekend together. <laughs> thank you. Um, maybe, would, would you like to start off in the beginning is normally a good place to start. So can you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself and about um, how you came about deciding to run for school board? Sure. So I'm a lifelong Maryland resident, nine-year resident of Howard County, um, proud product of public education and 2002 graduate from the University of Maryland. Got my degree in government and politics and um, have two children in HCPSS. I have a third grader and a kindergartner um, and have experience advocating for my children through uh, special needs of my son and uh, been an advocate for equity here in the county. And in terms of why I wanted to run, it was important to me uh, before, but this crisis has drawn even more attention to the importance of a quality education for members of our community. Uh, we see how fragile our most vulnerable children are and how important it is that we raise them up. We build through our schools and I firmly believe education is the foundation of our community and that all children should have access to educational opportunity um, regardless of where they live or the challenges they face. I'm a tireless advocate for all of our students uh, with 17 years in student development through my work at the University of Maryland. Um, I also believe in forging positive relationships over shared, shared values. I believe in working across political beliefs to make that happen. And I'm ready for the challenges that lie ahead and really making sure that there's a strong voice, not just within District 2, but within the entire Howard County community. Well, thank you for that. And, and I, I believe you may have hit upon points of, in, in just about every question that I have listed. But, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's kind of uh, suss those out a little bit. So the first thing you said, which was very interesting, was discussing special education. Sure. Um, we haven't had a lot of discussion on special education programs and the interviews uh, we've had. Neither of us have a, a background in the special ed community. Uh, but, you know, what can you tell us about what the current situation is in terms of funding children with special education needs and special education programs? And what would you do as a, uh, as a school board member to make that better? Sure. So in looking at special education, I mentioned my oldest, uh, we began his IEP process in kindergarten, uh, through support from the school. And so it's always been something we've been aware of, uh, but then seeing 
the breadth of the plight of special educators and special education within our system uh, has really come through uh, looking through budgeting over time. You know, we've added, last year we added over 600 students with IEPs. We added one special educator. At the same time, we subtracted just over 60 paraeducators, which are supporting uh, our special educators and our special education uh, students. And those are also impacting general education. And looking at the impact that that has, you know, a county roughly 92% graduation rate, our students with dis disabilities uh, only have a 67% graduation rate. So when we talk about opportunity and achievement gaps, that's one of the most significant gaps we have when we look at graduation, um, which the system uses as one of its metrics for how well they're meeting the needs of their students. And so we're seeing statistically that we're not meeting their needs, but we're also seeing that we're not funding what we need. Uh, we cannot take educators out of the classroom and expect positive results for any student, but that's even more so with our students with disabilities. Uh, and so we looked at funding that could be going into the special education program and classrooms uh, through the budget proposed by Dr. Monterano, uh, which really addressed multiple years of underfunding uh, so it was a big ask when he put that forward. Uh, the board had to make some reductions to that before they felt comfortable proposing it to the county executive. Um, county executive cut special education as a line in his proposal to the council, uh, looking to add roughly $500,000 to the program, uh, which is just not enough. Um, it's a program that needs mm -hmm. millions. Um, not thousands and currently the county council has looked to maintain the operating budget request from the county executive for the school system so it's good to see that the bloodletting has stopped within that budget mm -hmm. uh, but looking at what they're doing now and amendments being proposed to the bu budget overall um, it's showing that they're could have been opportunities to do better. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I would suppose also that that over any budgeting situation, and I think we're seeing this now with the county as the county starts its FY20 budgets, uh, that the specter of this virus and the pandemic, you know, are, are throwing everything else up in the air, which is why it would be necessary to have great advocates like yourself um, around to, to speak to these needs. Yeah, I was giving them, uh, I was able to testify on the capital budget uh, and the operating budget, uh, which was an interesting experience of uh, doing that remotely. Um, but it's something that, feel very strongly about and, but also believe in taking advocacy to decision makers. Mm -hmm. 
Well, let's let's talk about another issue that you brought up, and and you know we we've been interviewing candidates for so long now that I, I don't even want to talk about this in the context of that redistricting. Uh, but you brought up a very important issue, which is school equity. Yes. So um, you know um, you know uh, we are we are both white males. Uh, we mm-hmm. can see this. Uh, but uh, I know uh, that equity, school equity, is very important to me. And it obviously is to you. And, uh, you know, school equity is, uh, is not just, um, you know, uh, school populations. It's also uh, a resource issue. So how do you see, um, you know, resources being leveraged among schools in order, in order to affect more, uh, you know, a better level of, of equity? Sure. So, you know, coming from the university setting, you know, we judge everything by outcomes. And so when I look at the outcomes we see in regards to addressing equity in Howard County, it's blatantly obvious that we're not meeting appropriate outcomes. And the way to address outcomes is through resource allocation. And so we know we have a misalignment of where our resources are being allocated to the outcomes that we want to see. And so that's really the crux of it of there's been a lot of talk I've watched a lot of board meetings work sessions and there's always talk of equity is a concern uh, but then when it comes time to vote that concern gives way to something else there's always that other reason that somebody's going to vote against something that could actually impact children in the classrooms mm-hmm. and we need to be brave in actually standing up for what we believe in. Again, my experience um, is, you know, not the same as everybody else's, but I have been in classrooms really across the country. I've been with college students from the University of Maryland to schools in Chicago and in Philadelphia and immerse myself within the experiences that are different from my own. I believe in that greatly in terms of getting an understanding for others. It's something that I teach to my students in terms of multicultural capacity and active listening in terms of how to better understand experiences that are different from your own. So I take that opportunity anytime I can. And that's really shaped my belief in terms of what we need to be doing to build up others. I believe strongly in advocacy, taking my ability and applying it to those that might not have the same ability. I'm very aware of the privileges that I have, um, especially in the context of what others do not have. Um, And I believe that everybody should have the same access to education, a quality education, and the pathways that that creates for them, especially when it comes into breaking the cycles that create the situation that we see more often. We see the impact of an education of a parent, how that correlates to the education of a child. So if we fail a generation of children, we also fail the generation that comes behind them. We really have to work to do as best we can for this generation to better position the position that comes behind them. Uh, We've seen for decades what happens uh, 
when we wait for equity, we wait to really make adjustments to the systems that have created it. And it has to stop. We have to really shake the system up in terms of what we're providing. Right. I appreciate that answer very much. That was very complete and, and, and thorough. Uh, and I heard a very interesting word in there when you were speaking about advocacy. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and it's not, uh, it's certainly associated with equity, but but being a District 2 resident myself, um, you know, District 2 as a, uh, as a geography, uh, you know, so I'm going back to technically before this current layout of District 2, mm-hmm. um, it really has been very unrepresented uh, on the school board. I mean, mm-hmm. the majority of your school board members have come from Ellicott City, Western Howard County, um, West Columbia, um, you know, not so much East Columbia, Elk Ridge, the smidge of Ellicott City that that comprises District 2. So how do you see yourself as an advocate, uh, not just for District 2 schools, but also maintaining your role as, as, a, as a school board member, if you were elected, who would, who would, be, in char- who would be responsible for all of Howard County students? Sure, and I think, you know, you see the impact of not having representation uh, throughout the schools in District 2. Most recently, we did see that through redistricting. uh, And not just of what was not done to provide relief for some of the schools within District 2, but looking at the historical progression of capacity issues facing students in District 2. You know, Howard High School, up over 133% capacity, uh, multitude of relocatables that are basically entrenched outside of that school. They're no longer relocatable. They're basically part of Howard High School at this point. Uh, and even you know, relief was shifted to Longreach, which again is in District 2. Uh, and now Longreach has a forward forecast of overcapacity. Uh, we didn't see as much relief in terms of concentrations of poverty. Uh, while there's still empty classrooms or empty seats in parts of our county, uh, mm-hmm. which is unfathomable to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Empty seats at a time where we're looking at a budget that we're looking at and increased class size was part of the proposal already. We're gonna feel that disproportionately more in our schools. And we're gonna feel that as we respond to this health crisis of how do we safely put children back into our schools? There's no way we can get back to a normal operation at the same time some of the other schools could. Um, And so, those problems are overreaching. We've seen programs that benefit students in our schools eliminated uh, at the expense of programs that have been uh, protected in other areas. It's been very disproportionate in terms of the representation. We see it. Uh, So I'm very glad that we've switched to this councilmanic uh, process. I think having a representative on the board is important. I think having one ready to advocate 
is very important um, and standing up for the district, but similar to work that addresses equity in the classroom, equity on the board, you know, any of these programs, they don't just help the students that they're directly targeted towards. You know, the cliche is a rising tide raises all boats. If we are addressing those that are most vulnerable within our classrooms, we're raising everybody up in those classrooms as well. So the general education experience increases for everybody while also providing resources and supports to those that need extra. And so there's ways to target those needs while still raising education for everybody. It doesn't have to be a zero sum game when we start talking about how we allocate our resources. I think that's a great fear uh, that something given to another student is something taken away from somebody's own student. Uh, and I think there's not enough conversation and not enough leadership at the board level of the why in terms of methodology, what it really means and bringing people on board uh, and alleviating some of the fears of, you can't take this from me uh, because I, I now have less. Uh, it, you know, it's a different way to do it, but I firmly believe there's ways that everybody will end up with more at the end. So you spoke a little bit about community engagement, but I wanna uh, kind of sidetrack from there a little bit because uh, especially uh, over the past few weeks, and it really ha happens every cycle for mm -hmm. Board of Ed elections, uh, the specter of politics has risen their head. And you know, candidates who are the quote unquote Democratic candidates, candidates who are the quote unquote Republican candidates. And, uh, you know, I mean, my, and this is my personal opinion is that those sort of so partisan markers wound up becoming barriers to mm -hmm. candidates and, and electeds being able to, to speak fully and, and more, more importantly, to be to be heard and listened to fully. Um, you know, I, I haven't, um, I, I haven't uh, been made aware of any like vast political machine that is uh, behind uh, your candidacy uh, or most of the candidacies for that matter. So, I mean, how are you viewing, you know, this, this, uh, you know, the role of, of, of politics in partisan or other forms uh, as as through this election and and how do you intend to deal within that framework uh, as a board member? Yes, yeah, so I'm about as grassroots as it gets. I literally came to my decision to run based on what I've experienced before and what I was witnessing happening within the county of uh, and so I kind of jumped right in, not really sure what to expect. And so I've pulled support from a lot of different places, uh, greatly based on interactions I've had within the community. Uh, one of the benefits of being willing to engage, especially if people have opinions differing from my own, um, end up finding there's a lot of commonality. And you know, being in line for redistricting, uh, wearing a shirt saying that I support equity uh, 
got me a lot of attention. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, a couple hours waiting outside. It was, uh, you know, sink or swim. And, yeah. and, but being able to have conversations and finding more depth to what is bringing somebody else into their advocacy, you know, it's, they're against the plan, but why are they against the plan? What is the root issue to them that needed to be addressed? And sometimes it was things as, you know, keeping a community together. Um, it wasn't necessarily opposed to being moved. Uh, they didn't understand why it was then or why it was done the way it was done, which I think is a much different argument than mm -hmm. the concept overall. Uh, so we talk about engagement from the board to the community. Those are the kind of things that get left out. Uh, mm -hmm. There were more allies in the community than enemies if it had been approached differently. I firmly believe that. Yeah. I think we are a county that wants yeah. to see people do better. Um, but so that's kind of created a unique um, base of support for me um, because one, I am willing to listen. Uh, and two, I'm very open and honest of what I believe in, why I believe in it. And I will try to advocate somebody else to, you know, agree and support me. Um, and I'm finding that even if somebody disagrees with me, they're at least going to respect the way I do it because I try to operate in a respectful manner myself. And it's something where at times when I've been able to testify at the council, you know, I've been able to engage all the different council members outside of a hearing setting and have conversations about politics. It was my degree. I enjoy politics. And so I can appreciate somebody else's opinion because I know why they're taking the opinion that they are. I, um, you know what is driving them but I feel like that's also an opportunity because we can leverage that together. Um, and so that's kind of, again, puts me in a weird position sometimes, but I'm happy to have a broad base of support that uh, isn't just party driven. Uh, I think partisan politics can be ugly. It can be toxic at times, but when we're talking about values, I'm very steadfast in my progressive values. I don't shy away from it. If somebody wants to talk to me about it, happy to do it. Um, but I think for the board, you know, there are things that tie in. If you look at federal impacts at the local level, politics has to be a part of that. And partisanship does become a part of that conversation. Um, but it doesn't have to be the be all end all uh, and try to be civil whenever possible. Mm -hmm. So, so to, to, to turn that last question around and belong in a more positive vein, yeah. um, you know, this is at least the third straight board of education election, arguably the fourth where people want change. They want change candidates, and I would say that in 2014, yes, they weren't necessarily successful in getting those change candidates. But then in 16, 
and 18, they, they were. Actually, no. In 12, they were not successful. But then 14, 16, 18, they were. Um, and what we're talking about here, um, you know, a community engagement gap, um, to me at least, for these last six years, it seemed to be constant and consistent. And, you know, you mentioned before about, you know, talking, you know, with the council and testifying before the council. I mean, you know, not, not everybody can be in the room when it's happening because right. we elect people for reasons. Um, for sure. Yet this whole concept of this gap um, seems to continue with our school board and, and it seems perplexing why that's a dragon that can't be killed. So what, what are your, what, 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 what sorts of methodologies would you use to kind of increase that community engagement with a, with a look towards closing that gap? Sure. I think something that, you know, most families can relate to is, I firmly believe in being in the community um, and that that's where we need to meet people to better understand people. I think uh, it's why I've enjoyed uh, my work with Columbia Community Care of truly being within a community to better understand them uh, because that's what enables you to amplify their voice and represent them later. I think it's tough when there's five spots at a public hearing once a month and five people out of a county of 60,000 get the opportunity to actually speak to the board. Um, there's the opportunity to email the board and I know that they read those emails, but in terms of being a constituent, it's not the same feeling as, I know they heard me because I got to see the acknowledgement in their face to my message. And that comes through engagement and listening, being at the schools, whether it's, you know, whether it's PTA events, school functions, or just being available in a community to take all the work away from a family in order to reach out. You know, there's still barriers to email communication. We have seen just how many families were lacking technology, access to internet, uh, so to say that they can be emailed, we've seen how many people the system couldn't find a way to communicate with as we switched to distance learning. Uh, I find it scary that there's still students today that the school system does not know where they are. And how can we include them in the decisions that impact them if we don't know where they are? Um, so there's a lot in terms of that engagement piece that could be done better. Part of it is being within the community. It came up in redistricting of, you know, somebody's my rep, I never see them. Uh, that's tough. Um, but then beyond that, I think, you know, we've seen a dialing back of community involved committees, uh, task force, any name you want to put on it, uh, some of those bodies that bring community members into a conversation, taking those that are engaged and are passionate and bringing them in because they know they're the needs of their communities and they can bring those uh, to the conversation as well. I think we don't do a great job involving our educators 
in the conversations that impact classrooms. I think um, there's a gap there. It shouldn't take members of our special education community um, breaking down in front of the board because it's unsustainable for them to maintain their own mental and emotional health as they give to students that they love so much. And seeing that those students still aren't having their needs met at this, as they're giving of themselves. Uh, it shouldn't get to that point to where somebody um, doesn't have outlets before that opportunity. I think um, there should be much more communication uh, between the board directly and community members. Um, and that includes our educators as well. Mm -hmm. Those are my questions. There, is there anything else you want to say? Anything you haven't covered or, or uh, any, anything you want to do to promote yourself at this point? This is pretty commercial. Oh, geez. No pressure. No, um, I think I, you know, hopefully I appreciate you indulging me. I know I, uh, maybe went a little long on some of those, uh, I appreciate not having a timer. Uh, but in terms of, um, you know, just the last thing I want to relay, you know, election is June 2nd. I just encourage people to vote and to participate. Even if it's not going to be a vote for me, it's really important. I firmly believe in participation and using the voice that you have to create the change that you want. I hope that I represent a change that resonates with voters and constituents within District 2. But we have to participate. We have to show that we are engaged because through our voting, we show that we're paying attention and that we will hold somebody accountable. Uh, our vote is our accountability. And so making sure that we're doing that. So June 2nd, if you haven't received your ballot, there's still time to get your ballot. Uh, May 27th is the deadline to register. Please consider doing that. People that want to learn more about me, my website is James Cecil, that's J-A-M-E-S-C-E-C-I-L dot org. Uh, or I'm on Facebook, facebook.com slash James Cecil, number four, B-O-E. I'd be glad to hear from anybody that wants to reach out to me through either of those platforms. Um, and I'll continue to engage and um, do my best to represent those within District 2. Well, James, thank you. This has been a pleasure today, and I'm glad thank you for taking the time to, to talk today. This has been outstanding. I um, really appreciate it. I'd, I'd also like to add uh, that if for some reason you did not get your ballot, uh, my older child actually had that happen to him, uh, or, uh, or, you know, you do need to register by the 27th, but if for some reason you did not get your ballot, you're afraid that you may have thrown your ballot away in the mail or in the trash, uh, you know, you can still go on June 2nd to a few places in Howard County and vote, regardless of where you live in the county. And those places are the Board of Elections Building on Patuxent Woods Drive in Columbia, the Florence Bain Center on Ruth Keaton Way in Columbia, and uh, I believe also Meadowood Park uh, in Ellicott City, right off of Route 100. You can go in the pavilion there and you can vote. So please do vote on June 2nd, if not before. 
And, um, you know, again, thank you, James, for coming, for, for being part of this today. And uh, I'd like to thank you out there in viewer land and listener land for participating in another great edition of Forward Maryland. My name is Bill Woodcock. Have a great day, everybody. Take care.